Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the CGF podcast with me, Louise Chester. If you don't know us, the Consumer Goods Forum is a CEO-led organization that brings consumer goods retailers and manufacturers together globally to help collaborate with other key stakeholders to secure consumer trust and drive positive change. Our eight coalitions of action have been designed to achieve collective impact on critical industry issues related to environmental and social sustainability, health and wellness, end-to-end value chains and food safety. On our podcast, we'll be breaking down all of these topics and more and engaging in insightful conversations with leaders from in and outside the industry as they share their thoughts on the challenges facing our planet and its people. Today, we bring to you part two of my recent conversation with Lars Holmquist, Executive Vice President for Sustainability and Communications at Tetra Pak. So let's pick up where we left off last week. Brilliant. So I just wanted to also talk about another element of our work, Lars, that you at Tetra Pak are very involved in. So since the creation of, of our Plastic Waste Coalition, you at Tetra Pak have taken a real leading role in the chemical recycling work stream. So could you talk about your objectives with this uh, very interesting technology? Yeah, it is a very interesting uh, technology. And and you know, using recycled material is really a must for the transition to a fully circular economy, as it it, it can really contribute to increasing recycling rates of plastic waste and make better use of resources and, and reduce dependency of virgin fossil materials. So, so in this context, Tetra Pak has, we have pledged to incorporate a minimum of 10% recycled plastic content on average across carton packages sold in Europe by 2025. Now, this is of course subject to suitable food-grade recycled plastics being technically and economically available, which is a challenge because there, there is very limited availability currently of food-grade recycled plastics in the market so so far. So, so, so this will become a, a bit of a challenge. But currently chemical recycling is the only way to achieve recycled polyolefin films for food-grade applications, as, as you may know. And once that operates, and I, I truly believe it will, that uh, operate at industrial scale, it really has the true potential to recycle post-consumer polyolefin films in practice and at scale, and therefore contributing to the creation of a plastic-to-plastic -plastic route and, and complementing mechanical recycling to build a, a truly circular economy for plastic. So, so in a nutshell, uh, Louise, we are relying on available supply and we're looking forward to the scale up of chemical recycling to increase availability of recycled materials. And scaling up chemical recycling will require investments and again, collaboration by stakeholders across the value chain as, as well as, and I think this is important to emphasize, but all the, the players in the value chain have to have to step up in terms of investment and collaboration. But we also need policymakers to to collaborate here to make this happen. Yes, exactly. So uh, we, as a coalition, will be speaking publicly on our, our stance on chemical recycling very shortly, probably at the same around the same time as this podcast episode will oh, okay. will be released. Right. So watch this space. 
Um, so um, my next question is about the Tetra Pak index. So you okay. recently released this uh, this document, which revealed some very interesting consumer trends, I would say, in particular, the way that that the COVID-19 pandemic has shaped the, the consumer landscape. Would you mind Lars, sharing a couple of the main insights from this report? Yeah, it is very interesting report. You know, we're doing this uh, global uh, research uh, every year, and I think it's now the 14th iteration that we've done. And this time it really revealed that consumers are rewiring their behaviors. Uh, consumers, we are, we as consumers, we're taking environment, we're taking waste, and we're taking health matters into our own hands as a result of the pandemic. So we see quite a significant shift here. And many of these shift and rewirings of behaviors are really sticky consumer habits, as we say. So they, they're changing because of the pandemic, but we believe that they have triggered a new type of behavior that will stick. Uh, and last uh, far beyond the, the health emergency that we're currently facing. So COVID-19 has made consumers really rethink the way they live and fundamentally change how they act uh, as they take environment, waste and health, as I said, matters into their own hands. So nearly half of the global population actually recognize the impact of their everyday choices on the environment. And I think, you know, the pandemic, this shows that the pandemic has really redefined the home. As we all know, we've been living in this now for two years and the home has become a sanctuary. It has become a workplace, a classroom, a shopping mall and, and more, right? And this has significantly shifted daily routines and, and rituals and also having been denied the freedom and choice during the last two years, consumers want to regain control. That's what we see in this research mm -hmm. as well of their lives, of our own lives in whatever way we can. And they are more proactive. They're taking more actions themselves, looking for ways to really make a difference, not only awareness, I would say awareness has moved into taking actions, taking control, uh, for instance, by planning meals more carefully to mm -hmm. avoid food waste. We see that a lot. And uh, and being not only aware of the environment and the, the sustainability, but really picking products that are sustainable and also being much more focused on sorting and uh, recycling, as well as purchasing local produced uh, products. So these are some of the of the shifts that we see that if I summarize, you can say they go from concern uh, to caring, but to action and and really control, right? The mm -hmm. control yourself, what you what you what you do. And I think this translates to fantastic opportunities for food and drink brands, actually. Mm. Because food and and uh, and uh, drink brands now can really gain relevance by helping those new habits that we as consumers have have now started to to set, and the expectations are very high from from us as consumers. And 
over one third of the respondents that we researched actually said that they are choosing brands based on their sustainability credentials, uh, more so than before the pandemic, with 61% expecting food and beverage companies to actually lead the way in finding sustainable solutions. So quite significant change uh, as a result of the pandemic, but many of these behaviors are sticky. They have, they're there to stay, so to say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, I sometimes wonder how many um, how many of these changes will stick around. It, it really yeah. will be interesting to to see in five to five years, ten years. It it really depends, I think, how you know the how how our ways of working evolve um, sure. as, as individuals sure. too, and whether yeah. we will continue to spend so yeah. much time at home because uh, it's really that that yeah shifts our our yeah. habits with with food. Yeah. And um, so, Lars, my next question for you is is a personal one. I like okay. to sort of bring the podcast to an end with with more personal questions. Um, All right. What are what are you doing in your own life to be more sustainable? Oh, that's a, an interesting question. So, well, um, I do much more now than I did before. I can say that I, I really first of all, I, I really encourage my family to plan what to purchase when it comes to everything, but mainly food and to avoid overbuying, but really reducing unnecessary consumption. I think I see that I, in my own family and in my own, let's say area of friends, that this is something that people are, are open to. And I really encourage that. I think we come from a bit of overconsumption and I think people are now becoming very much aware. So I encourage that both with myself and with my family and friends. I I also purchase and consume more and more plant-based alternatives where there's a lower carbon footprint. And I also try to purchase local uh, or seasonal products, obviously having a lower carbon footprint. So the thought of what are the products that actually carry a lower carbon footprint is in my everyday thinking when I purchase products and and especially food. But one very important area, uh, Louise, for me uh, is consuming products also after the best before date, right? Uh, we are very much stuck to to throwing away products once you know the date on the package has been uh, exceeded. Mm. I really encourage everyone around me, friends and family, to to really you know take the product, smell, taste food before throwing it away because often it's really okay days, many days after the expiry date. Mm. So. I really believe that these are small things that can be done to reduce food being wasted uh, in in my home. But when it comes to buying food, I also, of course, select products that are packed in renewable uh, as much as possible and recyclable packages. So I think about that. And and I also make sure that in my home we sort everything, right? We sort the waste and, and we really maximize sorting and and recycling of any waste or any uh, packages uh, or all waste that we have. So I really see a change in my behavior over the last couple of years, and I encourage my family, friends and surrounding to to embrace these changes. There's a lot we can do in a, just by changing our everyday behaviors. 
Mm, yeah, you're so right. To be honest, it sounds like you are doing so, so much. I feel like I, I used to do more <laughs> before I had a child and now I'm just uh, <laughs> just too yeah. exhausted with this yeah. toddler. She's constantly pulling things out of the bin, putting them in yeah. the wrong bins. So <laughs> uh, it's, not it's not easy, but I think this thing with actually expiry dates and, and using food, which is still good for consumption, is yeah. probably the single most important thing uh, as well as you know sorting and and recycling i think those are the two things that i think we all can do without too much effort you know? yeah thank you for the inspiration Lars. Sure. <laughs> sure. um and so my final question is is actually around sort of your thoughts for the year ahead so as we are starting a new year we're recording this right now on the 5th of january yeah. um and I suppose we've all been thinking and reflecting back on COP26 that happened towards the end of last year. So I wanted to ask you, what are your hopes for the, the industry and indeed the planet for the future? Yeah, I think, um, first of all, my reflections, we were at COP26, I was there. And what really inspired me and came out of that, and I think for all of us, is that we need a radical new approach to the way that we feed the planet, meaning from how we source, how we produce our food and its transportation, uh, but also to the materials that we use to package it. Uh, a global transformation of the food system is really required to decarbonize, to make sure that we have healthier diets and we have really sustainable food systems. So, you know, I think also what came out of, of COP26 when it comes to this is that by 2050, we predict that there are close to 10 billion people on this planet. And this exponential growth will put further pressure on our food systems. Uh, overall demand for food will, will increase a lot. And balancing sustainability with making sure that everyone has uh, affordable and safe food available is, is really a must. And every stakeholder and, and every step here counts if we are to meet the sustainability ambitions that we set to, to, uh, you know, to address the planetary crisis. So as you mentioned, COP26, we hosted an event there with Professor Johan Rockström, the director of the Potsdam Institute for for climate impact research on, on how businesses can actually act to help to decarbonize the, the food sector. And as was said there, there is no time to waste. It's very urgent that we address this because food systems have actually already crossed five of the nine scientifically identified planetary boundaries, boundaries that cannot be surpassed if we're going to have a sustainable uh, humanity basically in the future and and food systems have actually already passed five out of nine of those which to me is very alarming so to end here i would like to say that transforming the global food system is a monumental task it will require long-term focus it will require systems level thinking to connect with all the relevant players across the food value chain. And we know that none of us can resolve this challenge alone or in isolation. 
So we in Tetra Pak, we truly believe that, and I truly believe that events like COP26 and, and the collaborations and the actions that it actually initiated is a much, I mean, it's, it's a absolute necessity. It's a necessary collective action to, to tackle the planetary challenges. And I'm very encouraged actually of the partnership and commitments that, that we have seen coming out of COP26 and events like that. And, uh, and again, true collaboration and effective partnership across the food system is key to solving the, the planetary crisis. So that's my hope and I see it. I really see it uh, in action. Uh, so I'm quite optimistic for the year ahead. Brilliant. Great. Good, good, good to hear that. So thank you very much, Lars. That brings us to the to the end of our, our session. And I just wanted to say it's been it's been really great to get to know you more and hear all about Tetra Pak's work and your personal thoughts on the broader issues and and pathway to progress, shall we say. It's been really insightful. Um, so thank you very much for thank taking you. the time. Thank you very much, Louise, and thank you for having the opportunity to uh, to share our story or part of our story so grateful for thank you <laughs> thank you thank you so much for listening to this episode if you would like to find out more about our work at the cgf you can visit our website at www.theconsumergoodsforum.com if you enjoyed this episode please do subscribe for more episodes coming very soon thank you and bye for now